I turned to my sister-in-law and I said, this plane's going down. When we hit, it took the floats off. You hit the mountain. Hit the mountain. It rips the floats off. And that, thank goodness, that's the gasoline. And so we skidded 1,200 feet. And then gravity pulled us down 1,800 feet. So you landed on top of a cliff? If the plane wouldn't have taken that turn and slid back, like sideways down, we would have gone over that cliff of 1,800 feet. We would have never survived that. Marcy, thank you for being here, first of, of all. Of course. So we're going to have a few things to talk about from my understanding, my limited limited understanding, because I didn't ask too many questions. That's how I like to operate. Right. So we're going to tap into you losing your mother and some other stories within that experience, which will lead us to a plane crash that you and several other people survived. Yes. Okay, that's that's uh, that's definitely a new one for for Dead Talks, talking about plane crash survivors. Yeah. So I want to thank you again for being here. And um, if My you want pleasure. to start, thank you. And do you want to start with your mother? Well, um, I'm from Las Vegas, and um, my mother was, uh, um, um, she had six children. And back in the day, they didn't know, you know, about gestational diabetes, but she had gestational diabetes and it it, uh, destroyed her kidneys. And so when I was 10, she was sick for six years. I think the birth of my younger sister was what really, but anyway, um, she died when I was 10. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's different. Death, however it comes, it's never expected, but we knew she was sick for a long time. She was actually the first kidney patient, dialysis patient in Nevada. So, you know, we had kidney machine there in our home. And so we were very aware, but it's it's still shocking when it happens. So right. said she was sick for a while, but there was no anticipation that she was going to die. No, we were just hoping that she would get better. And she was actually on her way. They felt that she was ready for a transplant. It would have been one of the first that they had done. And then she just took a turn for the worse. Okay. And that was that was quite some time ago. That was a Christmas. And she was, I believe she was going to be 41. She's quite young. And w- besides all the stuff that comes with grief, of course, I mean, mm-hmm. feel free to tap into how that broke through. But Well, you know, it's interesting that our family, we never talked about it. We never talked about, you know, the whole process. I think, I, I don't know if it's because we were preparing this whole, like, six years for her not to live. But honestly, once she passed, her things were moved out. We didn't. I didn't. We didn't talk about it as family members. Um, we were raised on the same street as my grandfather and grandmother, her parents, and it just wasn't. It wasn't discu- discussed about the feelings, the grief, the sadness, the, you know. And and I always thought how strange that was. And you know, so now I'm getting emotional. But for years, um, could not even talk about it. Without just, I mean, I can even say my, like, mom, without just overwhelm, overwhelm grief. But that's, you know, of course. Well, I see you clearly getting emotional now about it. So do you, where where are you now with it? Because if it seems like you do get triggered when you just mention your mom. So does that something have to do with not speaking about it early on? You know what's interesting is I, I went to a lot of therapy for a lot of variety of reasons. I have a very rich, um history of life and experiences, and I've done a lot of different things. And um, after the plane crash, I was they sent me to therapy, but I realized that it's more about the relationship I had with my husband at the time. It wasn't really that I had this severe head injury, been, you know, going headfirst basically into a mountain, that, that, but I could never, I, I, could, I couldn't, understand why my siblings didn't have and experience that grief. Just, I mean, top of the head to the tip, you know, just like what's happening now? I can't even get the words out, right? And then I finally about, um, oh, let's say 15 years ago, went to a therapist and, you know, she touched on something. And she said, the reason, you know, I was telling Tara, I only have five memories of my mother, because of the plane crash, I have short-term memory. And most of my life before the airplane crash is gone. Wow. So I don't have memories of my mom. And she said, that's what you're grieving, is that um, your siblings have all of these memories, but you have none. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So. 
So how do you work through that? So you only have a, I, that, I, that's that's a new one for me to hear in regards to you know that's that's very hard to not have to go back to memories of well. Your- how do I work through it? I just um, I guess my daughter. <laughs> I work through it with my daughter. My daughter is um, gifted in that. Um, she talks to dead spirits. So she is she a medium? Um, I don't know what would we call her. She's very young, very young. She had a friend called Bob, and I have to tell you, I had an experience. I was telling Tar on the way here that it was very, very unfortunate with a bad spirit, and so on the way here. No, when I was young, okay. and so I would just say no, like scary movies, no, nothing that had to do with the occult, nothing, and. I really, like, I don't want to have visitation. I don't want to dream about my mom. My siblings would talk about dreaming about mom, but I was like, no, 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 no. So I really pushed that away. And then when Alex was talking about her friend Bob, and I'm like, who is this Bob person? And it was, it probably took her, she was brave enough, maybe uh, when seven years, so she would have been about 12, that she says, um, I, you know, I see grandma. And I was like, Grandma, you know, she only has one grandma. My, not my mother, but her grandma, Valine, that was my husband's um, mother. And she's like, no. She says, I, you know, I know your mother, Grandma Wendelbow. And, and I was like, how? Because we don't talk about my grandma or her grandma, my mother. We just don't. It was something, it was a pattern that was set when we were very, as soon as she died. Mm-hmm. And so through her... I've really come to know who she is, know that she's okay, that she, you know, that that really life does go on. So what? And that she's with my father. What is that adjustment? Because when that happened, like, did you believe it immediately, or was there a process? Of- um, I tested her. I really tested her. I um, and because I'd never been around anybody that had ever been able to do anything like that. But um, a lot of different things that happened, and I would ask her questions, things that she would never even have any knowledge of. What kind of questions? Um, Questions about, like, the early life of my mom and my dad. So you'd ask her specific Uh questions about Mm -hmm. the early life of your mom and dad? I said, where do you think their favorite place was? And she'd say, the ocean. They met in Beverly Hills. No hesitation for No answer. hesitation. She says, the ocean. She says, that's their favorite spot. (laughs) And this is at 12? Yes. Or, so once they yes. once you start answering questions like that, you're like, this has to like, yeah. so you know this. And then there was an instance that happened with her boyfriend. And um and she came to me and she says, you know, her her boyfriend's uh, father died. And she said, um, Alex's dad came to me. Her name's Alex and his name was Alex, and wants me to tell Alex. Alex is really grieving and really having he's just not his father died of liver cancer. And um, just, he says, but his father has told me to do something. And I said, well, you know, Alex, this is how you're going to really find, you know, in my head. And I said, you have to have faith in your gift. I call it a gift. And I was pregnant with her when I was in the plane crash. Oh, wow. So I don't know if something, so that's why I, do you see the connection? I just, I I said, this is how you're going to find out if what, you believe you're getting from people and seeing and all the things is you're going to tell Alex to do this. And if it comes to fruition and it's true, then you'll know that what you have experienced your life is true. And it's not because sometimes she feels like she's um, like, what's the word? I lose my words because of my brain injury. I'm sorry. But not like, um, like not hallucinating, but like imagining that it's not real. She's a, she was worried that it wasn't real. What was that? What, that, that draw- when she talks to spirits and she sees people, and you know, she says, "I am I just hallucinating? Am I?" Because uh, her father had mental illness, and so you know, the kids were aware of what was going on with her father. So she was afraid that maybe something like that was happening. Wow. And I said, "Well, you have to tell Alex." Um, what his father said, and if those things are true, then you know you'll know. It's kind of her it's validating, own, validating, yes. And so it, she did, and it was. And so, what did she tell her boyfriend? Um, the, has, the father came and said that when he was young, him and his, uh, 
was he could they call him Uncle Dan. It was a family friend named Dan. And but they called him Uncle Dan. And the Uncle Dan and him wrote letters to their it just gets me every time into their future sons and hmm. hit these letters in a tin can in a tree. And so um he asked, um, he said, ask Alex to go to this tree and dig this up, and there's going to be this tin box there, and these letters are there, and this will give him some closure and some peace. And so she came to me, and she's like, what if he digs up and he can never find the letters? You know, she was worried that it would destroy their relationship. Right. And I said, well, his father came to you and said, you have to do this. And I always believe that if you get a prompting from the spirits or whatever, that you have to do what they say. And because gifts are given and gifts are also taken away as equally as fast as they're given. And I said, so, you know, you don't have to, but I think you should. So she told Alex to go and under the tree and told him specifically where to go. And the tin box was there with the letter inside. Oh, man. So what did, what was, yeah. this, what happened to the boyfriend when you? So he read it. He he said, I, he came back and I, he was like so nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, you know what? But if I'm nervous for her, but then I, you know, I I wanted, it's not that I wanted her to have this gift because it did bring me comfort to know that she had this special relationship with my mother. Mm. You know, I mean, I wasn't receiving anything from my mother since the plane crash, but it just brought me comfort that, you know, because my children, they don't know their mother, their grandmother. They don't, you know, they just don't because I don't have any memories to share with them about mm. their grandma. So it it felt good that at least she had a special relationship with my mother. Right. But she did. She told Alex he found the and in he was just like, I can't believe that you knew how did you know you know. And then she said he she didn't say your father had come to me. She's like, you know, Alex, I think you would need to do this, 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 and this. And she's he said, How did you know to send me there? And then that's when he said, Your father came to me and told me. That's remarkable. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, I mean, that's, out of all the stories, you know, I've heard a lot of amazing stories, and from Tara, who's to my right, um, you know, it, I've, I brought this up before in other episodes, because when I, I put a lot of these stories out there, because I find yeah. them so fascinating, yeah. and I want people to form their own opinions, and, you know, the big question comes like, show me proof, show me proof. I yeah. Feel, it's like, this is still an anecdote, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that are, are going to have their reasons for not believing it, but when you hear something like that, it's like... What, what do you say to that? You can't deny that. And after that, you know, there was, and I've had very troubled marriages, and I, um, and I would, you know, I have to be careful because I would, I never felt like it was proper for me to go to Alex and say, what is my mother think about this? Or what is my mom? Da, da, da. And I felt like if my mom thought it was important enough to tell Alex something to give me comfort, that mm. she would come to me and tell right. me. So I've always respected that space, I guess, f about that. So where do all these experiences tie in with? Because I'm, I'm curious. I want this is all interesting, but the the plane crash. You said oh. that was there something in regards to your mother coming to you, or something, of, or to your yes. daughter? And yes. Then well, to the I plane were, crash? like I said, I was pregnant with my daughter, Alex, and I lost my first baby um, when I was first married to her father. And so I'd had a miscarriage. I knew what happened. I knew the signs. I knew all of these things. And um, my first husband was a commercial fisherman up in Alaska. And um, you see the deadly at sea or what first catch. They're mm. a different kind of fishermen. They fish and they hand pick the fish out of the ocean that are caught into the net. They're called set netters. And so uh, their family has an island off the island of Kodiak, Alaska, and they homesteaded that. And they've done this, the family's fished for 50, over 50 years. And you have to, you only go in the summer. And so I was pregnant with um, Alex and went up there. And during the summer, I just, I wasn't feeling well and I could kind of think, I was about four months pregnant. And I was kind of feeling like, oh, you know, it's reminiscent of something that had happened several years before. Of course, I had a son in between that. So my son, Matthew, was there. We live in cabins on the beach, and we're the only people on the beach. And it's very isolated in Alaska. You do not have telephones. I mean, we don't have electricity. Everything's run off propane. So I'm kind of painting. I want you to understand that it's not like 
uh, if you want to uh, get an airplane, you have to radio and you ask Bubbles is her name, you know, <laughs> to get the plane to come and get you, you know, you, you and you have to, and they're usually float planes, and so uh, it's planes that land in that land in the water. That's why and, her name's Bubbles. Yeah, well, and so <laughs> they. Uh, and so you have to get a charter, and it's expensive. It's not something you just fly in and out of town. And the weather has the weather's really indicates a lot of our lives up there. And it's very cloudy, and it's very rainy, and the seas are very, very. It's a very dangerous, you know, job. And uh, my husband had a toothache, and so he had already flown in. He'd actually gone in. Um, so we have openings when you can fish, and the fishing game determine when you have openings and closures. And so you try to get as much, you know, if you want to call them errands, done during closures because you don't know it, you don't know when an opening and a closure is going to happen because it all depends on how many fish go over the weir. Okay, so he's like, I'll run to town, I'll get my tooth fixed. And so that night, I started really cramping really badly. And I thought, okay. And I was, you know, bleeding. And I said to my sister-in-law, who was also pregnant, I said, we need to get a charter. I, I, I don't want to lose the baby out here, okay? And, you know, when you're, it's not, it wasn't the point of, like, I don't want to lose the baby. I just knew that it was to the point that it was past that. And um, so she, we found out that another family across the bay had gotten a charter so we took our, it's a skiff, a boat, and we took it over and met them at our plane. Um, but let me tell you what happened the night before. The night before, and remember, so I'm in my bed alone, and I'm, like I had mentioned, I'd never wanted to have dreams or anything I um, about my mother, but that night, my mom came to me, and I, um, she looked uh, about age 30, very, but she was very, very healthy. She wasn't the sick mom that I'd known. She was, and I don't, like I said, I don't really have memories. The only memories I have of my mother when she was sick. But she looked so good and totally in white. And she said to me, something terrible is going to happen. She says, but don't worry. She put her hand out, don't worry. She says, everything's going to work out fine. You're going to be okay. So I was like, oh, great. So we had bakeries and delis back home. And I thought, I was, you know, people would say, well, when she said that, didn't you first think about losing the baby? But I had already come to terms with, I've lot, the baby's already gone. I just need to get to the hospital to, you know, have the, DNC and all the other things that happen when you have a miscarriage. And so my thought went directly to my store and my employees or, you know, something bad's going to happen. And so I was all the more, you know, Sheree, we've got, and then so I decided I would take my little boy that was two with us. So um, we called across the bay and said, can we share the charter? And so this pilot is a family friend that we've known for Years and and they the rule there's kind of a saying in Alaska if Dave Oberg will fly it's okay to fly but if Dave won't fly don't get in the plane so Dave um, came and uh, uh, we went across the bay and um, it's you know boats don't go you think you see them speeding along boats don't go as fast as they appear in the water and it took us a little bit longer to get there so we were late by like fifteen minutes. But we did get in, and um, we take off from the water, and the weather was kind of choppy. It was, you know, and and those small planes, they there's visual um, instrument reading, and then instrumental. They all fly visual up there. The bush pilots, and um, it was a cargo plane. They call it a beaver, um, and it's an old military cargo plane. So the captain, I mean, the pilot, the co-pilot, and then. So the cap, the pilot, and then there was the husband and wife. And what's interesting is the husband, who is also a pilot, didn't sit in the co-pilot seat. He sat to the left of me, and then my sister-in-law, and then myself, and then my son Matthew was draped, you know, kind of sleeping across us. And um, we were not that far from town, so we had done the whole. You fly by what they call right at the ceiling. It's where. You go right into the clouds, or you can see everything. 
and we got into some really bad choppy weather and we and it shot us right up into the clouds and when you're in that's called zero zero visibility you can't see up you can't see down you can't i mean the pilot is just I remember him just like looking like, where's the hole? Where do I guide the plane? Because we were actually descending to come down to get through the, the, um, there's a cut in the mountain to get into Kodiak. So we were surrounded by mountains. And I turned to my sister-in-law and I said, where this plane's going down. And I've always tried to be really positive in my life, but it just, you, it was you could just there were it, it i could see the pilot's face and when you see like he's such a calm easygoing guy and he had the steering wheel and you know when you fly a plane you push in to go down and you push up to bring the plane up and he had his hand and he was hugging that steering wheel as hard as he could to pull it the plane up but it it it, it didn't feel like we were getting any air to go up and all of a sudden, all of ugh, it gets so th- the same um, f- like feeling, the same. Um, it the clouds are different. Clouds are patchy. Clouds are um, you can see depth of like high lows. This was just the same white sheer, and this. All of a sudden, the whole inside of the cockpit is filled with this white sheer. And I have to be honest, I woke up the next morning after that dream, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. I've never dreamed about my mom. And I just didn't think another thing about it until at that moment. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is what she was talking about, that something terrible is going to happen. Because it was the same—I don't know— I deal with material, and so it, the texture of the feeling of like the mist and everything, the feeling that I had when she came and talked to me, that is what was inside this plane. And we um, we did we hit the, when we hit it took the floats off. You hit the mountain. Hit the mountain. It rips the floats off, and that thank goodness that's the gasoline. And so we skidded twelve hundred feet. And then gravity pulled us down 1,800 feet. So we did like this, and it, you know, it was bumpy, bumpy. I don't remember all of it. But I'm telling you that you have to think of people were, were people screaming, people asked me. And I said, I've never felt such peace and quiet, and it was silent. It was just silent. And it, it felt to me... And I was confirmed by this, um, and I'll tell you a little bit in a minute, um, that I just thought there are angels on the wings of this because there is from just guiding this plane. So you have to understand that by the time we stopped, we were from here, I don't, I want to say 20 feet from a cliff that would have dropped 1,800 feet down. There's no way we would have survived that. So you landed on top of a cliff? So we skidded up the mountain, and then when we went down, so the plane so skid up, then the plane kind of went sideways, and so now we're skidding down on the wing. Oh, man. And the wing got stuck in the stream terminus of the mountain. That's where, the, you know, after water, water, that creates those little—and so the, pl- the plane wing got stuck in that. But if we wouldn't—if the plane wouldn't have taken that turn— and slid back, like sideways down, we would have gone over that cliff of 1,800 feet. We would have never survived that. So I just believe that there were angels that were just guiding this plane. And, um, of course, you know, to to just a, a safe landing nonetheless. So the Coast Guard flies over, and it's, it's patchy weather. It's zero, zero visibility, and all they can see is the wing of the plane. That's it. I mean, not the wing, the tail of the plane. And they radioed, and they said, there's just no way there's survivors. There's, there's metal all over the mountain. There's no way anyone survived this plane crash. So we're going to leave it alone. We're going to leave it overnight. And we'll just, we don't, we consider this, you know, what they call it rescue. And then after rescue, it's a recovery. recovery. 
Wait, so they just, did I normally go off an assumption that yeah, everyone was dead? Yeah, the assumption that everyone was dead. Because remember, the history of this is there had never been an airplane crash, a bush plane crash in Alaska that anyone had ever survived, let alone all of us had survived. And we were pretty, I mean, the people in front were, I don't know how, if what you want me to go into, but the... The windshield, I don't know if you are even old enough, that, but windshields back in the day when they broke, now you, they have all that shatter stuff in. Well, when we hit, the windshield was just panes of glass and it just basically sliced the pilot's face off. So, But what we found out after the plane was, well, when we landed, the plane was on fire. So all the electrical panel, it wasn't fire from gas, it was fire from the electrical panel. And, you know, thank goodness that the gentleman that is a pilot was not sitting in the co-pilot seat because this lady was hurt the very, very worst. He was sitting by the door and opened the door and got us all out while the plane was on fire. So upon crashing, everyone was conscious? Everyone was conscious. What was it? What was the what was everyone saying? What was Nothing. the commotion? Were you what sitting I was there? saying, it was just Quiet. Okay. It was like I was saying, it was just the most peaceful. So that was after the crash, not during the turbulence. During the crash, nothing. It was just, and you would think that people would be going, screaming, yelling, like, and even the pilot, because I, um, now I have to be honest, I don't know if I passed out. I had a severe head injury. So, but my recollection, even I talked to my sister-in-law that was also in the plane crash with me. She's like, it was just, she says, Marcy, it was just like, like holy. It felt holy. The whole experience. Yes. The whole experience felt totally like a holy experience. Like, and and she didn't know, and I, I don't even think I even told her about the dream about my mother. And so uh, it wasn't until later that I said, you know, I talked about, you know, the dream that my mom had and coming to me and that everything would be fine. So a couple of weeks ago, I had a conversation with the pilot's wife. And he, years later, died in a different plane accident. And I wanted to talk to her and and get, because I want to write this story about the bravery, about, it was during the year of Exxon Valdez, the plane crash. And so when the when the Coast Guard flew over and they said, there's no one that survived, we're going to leave it until tomorrow, there's no reason to risk, you know, our lives to try and rescue people that we perceive as dead, he, the pilot's best friend was flying helicopter for Exxon Valdez. And he said to his captain or whatever, said, you know what, my pr- friend's been in a plane crash, and I know that he would try and save that plane. I'm going to go find him. And he literally took that. And I just think that even when when I hear the experience of what he did to try and find us, and now think about it, zero, zero visibility. When I say you can't see 10 feet in front of you, you can't not. There is nothing past 10 feet. And he got in his helicopter and he used, and I wish I could say the right word, but it's an echo, whatever. And he would fly up the mountain Find, and he was looking for plane parts, and then he eventually found plane wreckage, and he found us, and then radioed and said, they're all alive. Yeah, close enough to see you. Yes. Well, he found us, and I'm telling you, he looked like a GQ. He looked he looked like a Ralph Lauren model coming through that <laughs> mist. I mean, I still— I said, <laughs> I said, oh, my gosh. He had one of those rugby shirts with the stripes back in the day. And he's he walks through, and I'm like, Cherie, is that like a dream? And she's like, no, that's Mike Machowski. Because <laughs> she was from Kodiak. She yeah. knew everybody. Yeah. And I said, what's he doing here? And I'm like, oh, my. He was just so handsome. but um, And she said, I think he's here to rescue us. But so he 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 said who, who you know first you know how's Dave and we're like you know he's he's alive everyone's alive. And so he had a handheld radio and he called the coast guard and he said everyone is alive you have to come back and we didn't they only took two of us and they the rest we had spent the night they didn't rescue us until the next day. 
So you so and who, we, who else? Me it? and my son and Sheree and Mike Machowski. So you have to remember we're on this cliff, and so the Coast Guard is dropping bags of tents, food. We have no food. We have nothing. And the bags you can see through the clouds, you know, when you drop something in that, the swirling, mm-hmm. you know, and they would just pass right through us. They were missing the mark. And so the only thing that uh, got was two tents and two hypothermial bags. And that's pretty important with the bags, yeah, right? the hypothermial bags and the tents are pretty important. <sighs> so that was the only thing, no food, nothing. And so they he put the tents um, but first, they came and they got um, Dave and Afton off the mountain and took them into Anchorage um, to get medical attention. But we spent the night there. Then the next morning, the weather was bad, and he's and he's like, "You have to come get these." I mean, this you know, I thought I was losing my baby, and yeah, and so, you're pregnant this entire yeah, time. And I was pregnant. I was pregnant with Alex, my daughter, this whole time, and then my son. You know, Matthew was with us. And so, how old I, is he again? He was two. I thought you said that. He was two. What's going on with him as a two-year-old? Is yeah, just... a two-year-old. I, I think they don't quite um, register what you know is happening. And um, Dave, you know, like I said, I don't a lot. I remember a lot. I don't remember. So I broke my back and I had a severe head injury. So, but I the things I do remember, you know, is t- taking care of the pilot, his face, of course, he was cut off. And so I asked him if it was okay if I took, you know, because that's traumatizing to a two-year-old. I said, do you mind if I just put a Kleenex over your face? So, you know, and he said, yes, that's fine. But in his in his uh, journal, I, when I was talking to his wife the other week, um, we talked about it, and I said, you know, Kathy, I, I really believe that angels were there protecting that plane just by sheer how we crashed, how we the plane going, you know, twelve hundred feet and then coming down eighteen hundred feet, and sticking at the wing in the stream terminus. The way that I just I've always believed that angels were there, and and that you know. The night before, I told her about having that dream about my mother telling me that something terrible would happen, but everything would be fine. And I, she was so serious. And she told me some other things that I had to do, and I, I don't know if you wanted me to go into it, but that I needed to go and talk to my grandfather and, and talk to my grandfather about some things. And I needed to talk to my father about some things, very specific things. But at the time you had the dream— did you just take it as a dream? I just you, took it as a dream. And didn't it come to until that moment in the plane? At the plane, I knew that it was more than a You're dream. Like, shit, this is that, real. That is real. That is that is more than real. And I just believed that it wasn't just her. It just felt like, it felt, I don't know how to explain it, but it felt like there was probably a hundred angels guiding that plane. What's your opinion? Because that's, first of all, it's, Remarkable. I'm so happy you're still with us and everyone on yes, that plane. thank you. The fact that, you know, that was the only plane to date that has survived the crash in that area of Alaska or is it Alaska history? In um, Bush, they have they that have regular, um, there's different kinds of aviation, you know, so you have commercial air and private air and then there's Bush pilots. Mm, right. And these Bush pilots, basically their job is to, you know, carry um, gear and cargo to and from, because there's just a lot of remoteness in Alaska. And so this was basically a cargo plane, but he was our friend and I trusted him as a pilot. So he would do charters for our family. Well, it's what is your opinion on when this is the first plane like that to have survived a crash mm-hmm. like this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we... You had that experience prior that said everything was going to go in. So it seemed, it can feel like and be defined as some kind of intervention in many ways. And you, yes. you explain having angels under the wings. What is your perspective on the fact that you you all came out alive like that? And mm-hmm. there was some, perhaps you, your belief system says there was an intervention. Yes. How does how does that compare to all the other times and the people that didn't have intervention? You know what I mean? What you is know, the meaning with that? it's very interesting. I just, you know, people will say, well, God has a plan. You know, people will say that. And, and. And I'm thinking, especially when you lose your mom so young, and you're like, so God has a plan, and God's plan was to take my mom away from six children, you know? And I've dealt with a lot of loss in my life. And so, you know, my best friend when I was eight years old had jumped into the pool in Death Valley and died, you know, hit her head. So 
I was like, so is that God's plan? You know, I've always been taught that, you know, there's a higher power that whatever the design is. And I, 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 I don't know if I have, I just, I have to believe that there's a reason that everything happens. And I've lived my life. You have to, or you do? I just do. Because I've had some, I've, I've lived a very, very uh, full and wonderful life. And and I don't know if it was that, and my thinking was, I could be, it could be worse. I could be dead. Okay. I, I, it's a miracle that I'm even here. So all of the pain that I have endured with my accident and recovery, even in my marriage that was really abusive, shall we say, I said, what's the lesson? What is the lesson to be um, to be learned in this situation? What is the lesson here? I think that everything is so loss. How do I, why, why were we so blessed by angels and somebody else not being? That's the thing. I, feel, I, right. hear, I hear the chirping in the back of the ear. People are already saying, well, that wasn't an intervention. That was just, they got lucky that the plane did so. I, I, I cannot, that it was definitely not luck. I, I, even I'm, the yeah, pilot. I'm not saying it was. I'm just, right. you know, but even the pilot advocate. addressed this to his wife and said, um, and I, I didn't share that experience with him, but in his journal, and he wrote two journals and she's sending those because I plan on, I've, for years I've wanted to write a book and I just haven't buckled down to do it because there's so much that goes into so much that goes into the story but she he even the pilot said he knew that there was an there was a angelic intervention so it's three of you two is it someone else said that too was it still it was him the whole time you mentioned someone else said the exact oh, same thing that well, no, that he was just telling his wife got it okay I understand yeah Kathy his wife told right. me because I, what I would like to do is is to talk about the story of this friend that came to his best friend's aid, and you know, because the Ralph Lauren, model. yeah, the Ralph Lauren model. <laughs> put him, put him right on the cover. <laughs> I would love to find. We're trying to find him. So, um, but because I think that's brave, you know, mm, it's yeah. brave to go into unknown. I mean, yeah, he's maybe flown that mountain a million times, let's say, but when you can't see where you're flying. And you yeah. and you've been told that there's no way there's any survivors, so this is a little interesting tidbit. So the only thing that was, you know, they do this with planes too, that there is only the only thing that was left that they could uh, salvage off the plane was the tail. So they the tail was you know parts you know like car parts. Mm-hmm. So two years to the day, and my first husband was also a pilot, and so we were at fish camp, and he says, "Do you hear that?" He says, that's another beaver flying over. And I said, how? And he was just so good. You know, he always, he knew every plane, everything about planes, da, 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 da. And he says, it's another beaver. He's like, it's the Swedish fisherman coming. And I said, oh, okay, whatever, you know. And so two years to the day and 500 feet away, as the fishermen were going back into town, they crashed. What? And they all died. Like what? With the tail of our plane on their plane. So they, so they landed at the exact same spot? 500 feet away. And they all, they all and died? And they all died. So two years to the day. Two another, years. Another to plane the day, crashed. Another plane that had used, that taken the tail off of our plane and put it on that plane. You know, parts is parts, right? Oh, man. Carrying the Swedish fisherman. Because, you know, it's a small community. People know when they're coming and going, and he knew it was the Swedish fisherman what coming. What is that about? I, I have no idea. I said, the Swedish fisherman. I'm like, how did you know that? And then we later found out that that plane had crashed July 13th. Two years after. Two years after. Using the same tail of a plane that you same, crashed. Same tail as our plane. So, Do you think about that? Or obviously, that- no angelic intervention there, right? So I don't know what the difference is between my experience and their experience. And when people are called home or to another... Um, I don't know, you know, what everyone's beliefs, you know, yeah, whatever it is. is, but I believe that, um, you know, that we were saved. There's sure. no reason. There's absolutely no reason that we should have survived that airplane crash. So what meaning do you give it? I know you said that you felt there was some kind of intervention. I just but- think, um, I don't know. It's interesting when I tell my story, um, I tell, you know, because I had to work so hard to over, 
I had a 1.5 second memory. I couldn't, I had very, very bad short-term memory. And so like the phone would ring and, you know, I'd answer it, have a complete conversation. My husband would say, who was that? And I'd say, I don't know. What did you talk about? I don't know. And for years and years, and and I have, I was, I have what's called learned memories. Like you tell me, like my sister will say, remember when we were kids and da, da, da. And I don't remember that. But now you've told me, so I start like this cinemat, you know, cinematograph, whatever. Cinematic, cinematic yeah. here you go. A cinematic stories going on in my head about, oh, this and this and this happened. So now it's, to me, it's a learned memory. So you survived a plane crash and you've seen all these other people not survive, mm-hmm. you know, similar plane crashes. What does that change? What does that change your perspective on life or death for that matter? Well, I believe that um, you have to really live every day in gratitude. I mean, it's I'm grateful that I'm here. It hasn't been easy, but what a blessing. Yeah. And my daughter survived. Yeah, that's that's another thing we've kind of brushed over. Yeah, my daughter survived. And my sister-in-law was pregnant at the same time. And and your daughter, you know, came about with these, these with gifts. gifts. So, mm-hmm. I mean— yeah, and, and you have. A, I'm sorry if you said this before, and I'm mistaken. If I, I'm being redundant, but you have, your family has or does not have a history of having these gifts like your daughter. No, and I would say not. You know, my grandmother was really good. She liked to read faces and say, you know, this person, this, this person. I never really thought anything of it. I just thought that's crazy, grandma. You know, <laughs> she would look at people and go, um, "He doesn't clean under his bed." Okay. I'm like, well, okay. Whatever. Yeah, grandma. we're not. A, we're, it's a, <laughs> that's a little different, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was, you know, I was. I was just my crazy grandmother. You so know, there was no prior belief. No prior. There's no any prior belief. Absolutely not. Of you guys saying this is yes or no, like not believing it or not believing it. There's nothing before your daughter. Oh, believing in an uh, afterlife. I mean, just in general, like because you know it goes either way. Oh, Some yeah. people believing they can see the other side or not. So. There's no one in my family that has ever said that they have been able to see spirits or communicate with the other side. And you grilled your daughter pretty hard to find out. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I would do the same thing. It's not, you know, when they're children. So so what is their MO? (laughs) You don't want to dis, you don't want your children to think you don't trust them. Right. I didn't want her to think that she was a liar. Mm -hmm. That's pretty out there. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I handled I, that very gracefully then. But I think that, but I do believe that it's a gift. I think that we're all born with gifts. And, you know, so she should exercise those gifts. And it's given a lot of comfort to a lot of people. Is she, so, how old is she now? Um, I, it's 32. Okay, so it's not too far from it. Is she actively doing this on a regular basis? Not really, not really. Has it become an interference in her life or is she? Um, you know, she says, mom, when you see the good, you see the bad as well. What bad has she seen? Is that something you can speak um, on? Spirits that, um, she, you, when you see good spirits, there's also you see bad spirits. What are these bad spirits doing? Um, like what makes the, them a bad spirit? Their intention. Are they interfering with our world, material life? Mm, yeah, she would. Yes, yeah, they, yeah, they cause disruption. What kind of disruption? Um, in like even to the terms of like being possessed oh, by shit. by bad. Spirits. Am I getting like really heavy? No, no, this is heavier the better. Um, um, no, so she's experienced a lot of really intri- like going to graveyards is very difficult. So we, you know, I don't enjoy doing that. It's something that she doesn't like to do. So, but what's interesting is that my father died 15 years ago and I'm a procrastinator. I'm just, that's me, procrastinate. And she came to me and she said, Grandma came to me last night. And said that she's coming to get grandpa when the wind is very, very loud. And I was like, well, it's it it blows in Vegas like crazy. Are you I mean, see, it's my what logical brain. I'm very, you know, I get it. Analytical. I said, that could be like any day. And she says, Mom, you have five days. And I said, five days. And what she explains, and Tara probably knows more, that time for them is very different than time for us. Time on the other side. Time on the other side is very, very different. And so for her to say five days, it gives me chills right now because I know that that five days— Now, you have to understand that my dad was not even in the hospital. I did not even know how sick my dad. My dad had—what is it? Um, Cancer of the prostate. I didn't know. We didn't know. 
No one in my family knew. And so he, she says, there's some paperwork that you have to get signed. So I went to the trust attorney and I said, I got to get this paperwork. She's like, she's, he's like, yes, you do. You've been putting it off. You need to get, you know, you, we got to finish your dad's trust. So I go and my dad, and when I called, he said, I can't, I can't go because I, I can't get out of bed. And I said, what's wrong, dad? And he says, I just, there's no way I'm going to meet you at the bank. So I went and I had, I found a notary that would drive there. I met, my dad signed the papers. So then that was on a Thursday. And by Sunday, he was in the hospital. Uh, we had to take him to emergency. And then he was gone um, two days after that. So five days. Mm-hmm. What happened with the wind? Well, it was very windy. But can you imagine if if my mother wouldn't have come to my daughter and said that, I wouldn't have had the paper signed and I would have had more problems with my dad's trust than I would ever, ever. But And so the night that he was going to pass, she said, my sister stayed and she says, no, mom, you're coming home with me tonight. And I said, I wasn't really counting the days because you have to remember, I'm still like in this, it's just Alex saying stuff. And so on the way home, she says, tonight's the night. It sounds similar in regards to your dream where it happened, but then it took a little bit for it to click. Yeah. And so, and maybe that, I don't know if that's just because of my, I don't know. Oh, man. I mean, it's, I can imagine how that's comforting in many ways, you know, Mm -hmm. in regards, especially you mentioned how you don't have a lot of memories of your mom. So Mm -hmm. you do have a unique experience with getting through grief in that sense, because it seems like out of all people that would need that, it Mm -hmm. sounds like someone in your situation. Well, most definitely. And when I've, and I've had some really um, very interesting things happen even lately with my father's trust. And I just know that they are here. If And like I said earlier, I've always pushed it away because of the traumatic thing that happened when I was younger. And I didn't want to have any spirits anything around me, any good, bad, didn't matter. I just didn't want to have an encounter any of that. Did you tap into that, that experience that you had? You mentioned it, but you... um, The one recently about my father's no, trust? You said there was something when you were a kid, right? Just oh, now? yeah, that was really bad. Is that something with the other side? Yes. So you have had a lifetime of mm-hmm. these experiences yeah, popping in. Yeah, but I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't want anyone to have to experience that. Okay. It was bad, you know, and, and I'm, a, I'm a very, I'm... I'm a very spiritual person. I'm uh, not a strict religious. I I don't judge, and I am very open to how people believe in all aspects. And so, but because of that experience, it, like for years, I would not pray on my knees because I was it was bad. Do you prefer to skip over that part? I, if you want me to talk about if it, if you're comfortable, I'm curious. I'm just I'm interested, but I, I don't want to open up anything that you don't want to talk about. I don't know what you want. No, I can talk about whatever. Yeah, please. I mean, so, but as well. so that's why I, I just mentioned this to Tara because I think because of this situation, it I did not want to ever have any visitations from my mother, even though I desperately missed her. Right, you, you mentioned know, that we earlier. were very very close. But I had served a mission for my church, and on that mission, you know, you're teaching people about Christ, and so we pray for these families, right? And so I was praying at night for this family that we were teaching, and as I was praying, I was like, it, I was, all of a sudden, I find myself face down on the ground, and I cannot move, and it is the force, and it felt like tons of weight was on me and i could not move i couldn't i tried to scream for help i could not I, nothing would come out of my voice and um it was just and so the next day the gentleman um cuz we were teaching them and we wanted them to of course be baptized and so we were communicating and i mean it was it was it was frightful so frightful that i called elders from my church to come over and give me a special like a blessing because i just it was just so I, you know, I felt like I was not being strangled. That's, di- but like when you can't talk, when you can't scream, when there's nothing that is coming out of you, and you don't understand why that's happening. Like, how could this be happening? And I'm not one that watches. I'm not a. I don't watch scary movies. I don't. You know, all this stuff that. But, so I was just like, what is going on here? 
And then my companion comes in and she's like, she's like trying to get me up off the ground. And she physically, she can't, she can't budge me off the ground. And I'm like, you know, saying, help me, help me. And so eventually, and then we there, we were staying with a lady and we finally, and I don't honestly can't remember how I got off the floor, but we are now in her bedroom, the older woman's bedroom, but because of that instance. And then the next day, the I was talking with a gentleman and he, he asked me how my evening went. And I was like, my evening? And then just... I realized what was going on, and he's like, he basically, what he said is, we put a spell on you last night. Wait, who was this person saying that? This family that we were teaching. They were part of, I don't see, I don't want to mention religions because I don't want someone that's of that faith to think that I'm saying bad things about their faith. But it was just, and I was like, you What? And, you know, he's like, yes, he says, he says, you know, it was a black magic spell. And um, Do you believe him? Well, I Do you believe him? I can't understand what happened. But when he said that, I knew that whatever it was, it was the darkest experience of my life. And it was bad, bad, bad energy. And for me to resolve in my mind that I would never pray on my knees again, <sighs> right? So you, you started off mentioning that you don't, you're not, you don't identify as religious, but I talk, I am religious. I am. Okay. I am. I'm very okay. spiritual and religious, but I don't religious in the fact that I'm not going to I don't judge. I'm not going to judge how people believe or think or whatever they you, okay. Yeah, whatever you do, you do you, and I'm very happy to support whatever that is. I've never tapped into that like a I don't know what I believe in regards to spells and stuff. What, mm-hmm, what are you mm-hmm. without what's that? What do you how do you define um, that? What well, do you say to in that? Talking with so I told you that we called these uh, elders to come over and you know I just I was I was just mortified and he, they said this is common in this region um white magic black magic. What region is this? In Arkansas. Arkansas. Mhm. In the Ozarks. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. And he says and he says this is what's happened. And, you know, after this man talking to me and kind of, and he was very like, you could tell that he was was up to no good. And, and of course I said, well, you know what, we're no longer going to teach your family and you come, you know, whatever you decide to do with your life is great. How do you cast a spell? I don't know. I don't, but they say it's common. Common. I've never, I need to look, I'm going to look into that. Yeah. That's interesting. White, yeah. There's white magic and black magic. Do you know, and, do you know about this? I'm talking to Tara off the mic. You'll, she's been on the podcast I a couple times. I know about it, and I can see now that he was like uh, not just what we would call a like a hard sell in sales, <laughs> but he was trying to mess with these, you know, probably very innocent, sweet missionaries, and probably thought, you know, maybe some background thinking because where they were from, they were going to push a religion where he had been used to his own. Well, his and part of his not only not really get baptized like they were trying to help him, mm-hmm. do, but probably try to test her faith and or mm-hmm. sounds like a I Netflix think it was like a, like a yeah. between different denominations issue yeah. with him. Mm-hmm. He, he, he came to a baptism the night before. And because he says, well, you don't, your, your religion, your faith, you don't speak in tongues. And I'm like, no, because the way we view speaking in tongues is, um, speaking in tongues is speaking different languages, like audible, understandable languages. Now, when speaking in tongues that you don't understand what they're saying. Yeah. And so when he came to the baptism and we didn't speak in tongues, he's like, it's not for me. You guys didn't speak in tongues. And I'm like, okay. Okay, it's, man. That's it's cool. And then that night when we were just closing the night, praying for this family and this happened, I I just didn't, I didn't know that's what it was until the elders, they, I told them what happened. He's like, someone's put a black magic spell on you. What would your rational brain say? Like, obviously, this is, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, real or false. I'm just saying, what, because remember you kind of. You mentioned earlier about your rational brain trying to decipher the I dream. Could, I just what is, what is it? I what couldn't someone... understand how my physical body was. I was on my knees. Like you were and paralyzed. I was paralyzed. Out of I nowhere. could not. I could not move at all. I mean, is there even a? I don't know. I have no couldn't idea. That's move. wild. And um and and then when my companion, my you know, you're the, there's two of you, a girl's companion, you know, came to help me off the floor. She couldn't. I mean, now she's probably. Taller than me, thinner than me, but she couldn't budge me. Yeah. I couldn't, and I I could not understand that. 
So when the, the people from my church came and said, oh, well, they put a magic spell on you, a black magic spell on you, I was like, what is that? I mean, I never even heard such things. And he says, that's very common in this region. Just want you to know. And I don't know if he was saying that to like, is calm me, but it scared, excuse me, the shit I mean, shit if someone said it was common, I don't think they would calm me down. They didn't get the next flight yeah, out. Yeah, it just scared me to the point that if you, you know, we pray every day, morning and night, I'm not ever, no, this girl doesn't get on her knees because of it. It's just very frightening. Yeah, I mean, that's... So, like I was telling Tara, that's why when, you know, people say, well, don't, didn't, wouldn't you like to see you have a visitation from your mother? No. After that? Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Don't want it. I miss her de- desperately, but not. I don't want anything to do with the good or the bad. Yeah, it's terrifying. I just want to be Whatever left alone. Whatever that was, that was terrifying. Yeah, it was terrifying. That's the but thing. what was so interesting is when my mom came to me, I would think because of my past, I would have been mortified. I would have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I wasn't. It was just like, oh my gosh, mom. Mm. What? It was more pure? Yeah, just pure and just... It, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like a holy experience. Man, I don't even know where to go from there. That was a that was a curveball. Oh, sorry. No, I, don't say sorry. This, <laughs> this is interesting to me. It's just there's just uh, lots of experiences that you know that. That's remarkable. I'm I'm okay. glad you're tapping into the the good stuff now. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful of that you you know you have a. That you have, you didn't want to tap into that, but now you're tapping into that indirectly mm, through your daughter. And definitely, at the end of the day, it's help. It's if it feels good and it's helping you, know you during your it process. Brings a lot of, it brings it. a lot of peace. And that's beautiful. Then. You know, it's interesting that my father just recently passed away, and um, no, not my father, my children's father. So my first husband just passed away, and uh, even though my children have been raised in a home a certain way, my children have very, very diverse understandings of the life after this, where it brings me peace to know that their father is there helping them and guiding them. And if you want to, I won't say manipulating, but I've seen how the other side has helped in finding things and and if you that I've been looking for for years. And then all of a sudden, I mean, they're there, and I've looked in the same place again and again. You know, just different things. And I think and material uh, things, yes, like material items? things, okay. yeah. And so, just talking with the kids, and when they say, "I just, we, I just don't," they're they're so their heart is so broken over the death of their father, and since they say we don't, my one son, I don't believe that there's anything after this. I don't believe. I just think he's gone. But do you see? For me, it, I'm comforted. But for him, he's lost. He with he just, and he's like, Mom, I don't think that you're silly. And it's not that I don't believe that you've had all of these experiences. He says, I just can't. He's you know, science can't prove it. Right. That's a, that's fine. That's and I said, Well, I, and you you do you, Matt. It's okay. That's great. You're not. You know. You're. you're and he trusting was in the plane beliefs. crash with me. Yeah. Isn't that remarkable? You and he had both and, of that totally different come out of that experience with totally different, you know, mindsets and feelings. Yeah, it's so interesting that the diverse. That's even more interesting because you had you had that experience mm-hmm. and all these stories you've shared. Yet you're just going in a different direction. Totally different. And it just makes me think. I'm like, well, are we all right, or is this some or a lot of us wrong? You know what I mean? It's like we're gonna well, find out one or the other. I just but. said, I, and so I say to him, he's like, you know. You, Whatever, mom, you know, I just, I just don't feel it. I just can't. I said, don't you feel that like your father has any thing to do, you know, the summer this year, they're not going to fish camp and fish camp's been fished every year for 50 years and they didn't go this year and uh, for a variety of reasons. And I said, you know what? I believe that your father, it's in the details, Matt, that why he didn't go this year and it's okay. And we'll find out why later. But for whatever reason, and I just feel like your fa- your father's like got a hold of this, so don't worry. And you know he's is logical. Well, whatever, mother. You know <laughs> if that's how you want to. You know. But I I said you know one day, Matt, you're gonna you'll see. One day we're definitely gonna one see. day or right. Not see. I don't know. <laughs> I said either you're gonna be right, or a lot of other people are going to be right. So I'm saying, but at the end, regardless, <laughs> we're going to find out or we're not going to find out because you won't know. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know which is better, to be honest. Part of me thinks, man, if I didn't know this, it's like, all right, I, might, I can kind of rest, but I won't even know I'm resting. So uh, yeah. it freaks me out in a way. I, I yeah, know. and see, death has always been like, to th- like I am totally afraid of it. 
Of death? T- of death, totally. Even after all this? No, after I- all of this, yeah. Because I say, I try to explain to my daughter, even Alex is afraid of death, even with what she can do. What's she scared of? Um, I, the, what we came down to is that here on earth, you know, today is today, and we don't know what today today is after this life. So she doesn't. So she doesn't per se know what happens after we die. She just connects to these other the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, something's happening. Know. If she something's her, happening. So she believes she believes in her gifts. So therefore, she knows something's going on, but she just doesn't know what that entails. Well, it's like the day to day. Like, what do we do? Do we have jobs? Do we? You know. <laughs> I, I hope mean, not. <laughs> but I get paid freaking good if we're working over there. So that's all I got to say. Exactly. Um, so I think it's just that is the unknowing of. That, but and definitely, it's the acceptance she, of unknowing, and you know, yeah. one day we're gonna find it, or we're not. But gonna she find says, out. obviously, something because what I see, I see, you know, and so I've it's experienced it, and it's real. <sighs> I don't know what's real anymore, Marcy. I want to thank you. That was that, that was a, a very exciting conversation. I think we we tackled a lot of things. A couple things at the end, I didn't know we were gonna get into, which is awesome. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, it's gonna make me think about some things. So I appreciate you being here and sharing that. I think it's incredible. I'm so happy you're here. Yeah. Like here and here, you know yeah, what I mean? Like here, it's, it's, exactly. That you're here. still with Thank us, you. and um, it's a fantastic story. So it's I really appreciate you being here. It's an honor. So. Likewise, it goes both Thank ways. You. I'm happy you're sitting in front of me. Um, so, guys, thank you. Another episode of Dead Talks. Till next time. And uh, thank you, Marcy. Thank you. Cheers, guys.